Hello, welcome to episode 23 of Horus Heretics. I'm Neil. I'm William. And we'll be finishing off today uh, Fallen Angels by Mike Lee. Um, Will, any uh, any news with you since last week we met? <clears throat> uh, nope, just been, you know, in my house a lot, like everyone else, I guess, or most most of everyone else. Yeah, it's miserable. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I've been playing some fun video games, so been having some good times with those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get heartily sick of um of, of this all, but you know, gotta gotta be done. So Zahariel and Astalan um deploy after Zahariel speaks uh, and sort of gain, gainsays Luther. They deploy, um, and basically. Zahariel gets a bad force moment. He starts feeling bad ripples in the force. And uh, we were, we're sort of pretty sure that mm, something's going down here. Yeah, so they, um, they, they were being petitioned. Where we ended it last time, they were being petitioned by, I think, part of the... Um, uh, oh, God, I can't remember. Uh, it's Bosk. I can't remember her uh, title. But she's just part. Of, she's part of the bureaucracy, and is demanding help from the Dark Angels because uh, the rebellions are sort of going unchecked, and uh, they can't really get any purchase on it. So uh, when they're when they're talking in council, they hear about uh, some uh, secondary forces that have been sent in uh, to investigate the disappearance of another group of forces, and they disappear immediately like uh, they they drop out of radio contact and aren't able to be raised that's when Zahariel gainsays Luther and that's when they start deploying which is where we've joined the book now so Zahariel and Astalan uh, deploy and Zahariel feels some warp touch um, and so therefore knows you know something bad has gone on here um he tries to rouse the rest of the dark angels that are with him uh, and says for loyalty and honor as a kind of you know pompous battle cry that these folks say a lot and in response the rest of his troops say for luther which we all know what that means but zahariel in in you know a normal moment of of space marine stupidity just goes huh oh that's interesting anyway file that away um and so they are sort of searching around for uh, the troops that have disappeared, but all Vox communication is being jammed from somewhere. They're not quite sure, but uh, they they can't contact uh, either part of their group or the rest of the soldiers that have gone missing. We might remember. You might remember from the previous Dark Angels book. There was when they were like teenagers. Um, I think no. The, well, at least for some of it, there were kids in the last book, uh, like the main characters, Zahario and Nemio and stuff. And there was this one guy called Atias who was kind of like uh, the like bookish one who they who would be like left behind in the dust as they um, went off to you know chase after a monster or something like that. So he's he's on this mission with Zahario. It says Atias had been an aspirant of the order at the same time as Zahario and Nemio. And as a youth, he'd earned no small amount of grief thanks to his nervous and overly studious nature. 
That had changed on Sarosh when an alien monster had melted his helmet with a torrent of caustic soil. <laughs> <laughs> we can trace it back to one moment. <laughs> That'll change a person. It will. Caustic slime. It's the medium for most most passages into manhood, isn't it? <laughs> you can just see, like, you know, people like te- learning about writing novels or, or writing screenplays or anything. You know, it's, it's all about the character arc. You know, it's all about the character has to change from the beginning to end of the story. That's kind of the point of it. <laughs> Some people change gradually. <laughs> Some people change at the point of a sword, and some people change under a torrent of caustic slime. So it's cla- classic William Goldsmith writing. So now he cuts about with like some sort of skull face mask on because of the damage that he. Oh no, that's not even a mask. They've they've welded bits of metal to his skull. All right. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're. You're getting it wrong there. Yeah, that was really... <laughs> I was really underselling the change that had come about in, in his oh. life because of that caustic slime. Um, yeah. So, yeah, or you're right enough. But just in the, in the same paragraph, says, in the end, they've been forced to strip away most of the flesh and muscle and... Sorry, flesh and muscle and graft polished steel plates directly to his skull, transforming yeah. his face into a gleaming death mask. <laughs> Yeah, no, normally like death masks are like serene paper mache, you know, things. This is like a Terminator Two kind of kind of skull skull plate. But. It's it's like he's transformed himself into like the kind of thing, you know, like um, the kind of extra that a free to play like battle royal game would charge you for to like turn yeah. your character into. And and also, um, needless to say, his voice has been turned into a sort of, well, who knows what it sounds like, but I know what it sounds like. And it's like, I am a robot. <laughs> you know. He's changed. He's changed a lot. Um, but uh, he he walks over to Zahariel, puts a hand on his shoulder and goes, do you remember, remember being here before? This is near the Knights of Lupus stronghold. Do you remember? And Zahariel goes, oh, yeah, oh, that's probably quite telling, isn't it? And they all look off to like this distant mountain that used to have uh, that that old, you know, the the finale to the last book um, on it. But it's all been stripped away and destroyed now. But they sort of have a moment of remembrance um, before uh, Mike Lee says that this is the first time that they've spoken in like 50 years <laughs> because, because the Harriel just doesn't care to like talk to him anymore. They they find the transport that they're looking for, uh, and see that like some of the panels have been removed, as if like um, some engineering has been going on, like on the fly. So they sort of think that uh, this transport was also suffering from the fox jamming that they're suffering as well. So it's clear that some some kind of uh, technological uh, wizardry is happening. That's um, that's slowing them down, and that has uh, caught. This is what's caused the problems before. Um, at that point, then uh, Astalan's team uh, shout out that they found something, and that uh, the Zahariel's team has to go over and, and sort of investigate a little bit further. That leads us to Diamat. It, it the book jumps chapter to chapter. So uh, Astalan's team have found something and, and call on Zakariel's team to go and um, and sort of 
tell them what they think about it. And they find a room, uh, a guard's room full of blood and gore, but no bodies, nothing concrete that leads them to to know like how anybody died or or anything like that. So Zakario leads them to uh, the a heat exchanger, which is sort of the source of um, of the, the the issues here. And they find the weapons of the military unit, but again, no um, no bodies. Um, and again, they're like. It, it, they're kind of being led by Zakariel and his his sort of touch with the warp, but um, nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, so they they go into the building, but slowly it turns into like vines and roots and like wet earth, and there are little millipedes and shit running around, as if it's like the the Caliban of old, um, the Caliban of the time of forests before all the forests had just been destroyed and plowed into the into the ground in order for the search for imperial resources. Have you read uh, Annihilation by uh, Jeff Vandermeer? No, I, I saw the film. Yeah, I, I can't like I can't actually rem- I did see the film. I can't remember how this is depicted in the film, but like this powerfully reminded me of like a major element of that uh, book, which is that there's this mysterious. Um, sort of spiral staircase thing they descend and it's like all these bioluminescent creatures down there and stuff like that and obviously i'm not saying this is taken from that in any way because it's written before i think but um it's uh it was weirdly reminiscent of that yeah so there are all these um it's it's like returning back to like a a, a primal state before the imperium had ever arrived but this is at the inside of the building really um, and they are all attacked by a really kind of cool new breed of alien that are kind of like face huggers, but not quite. In that they're they're like big worm things that wrap themselves around your middle and try to put a spike in the back of your neck. Oh yeah! In order to um, like uh, they sedate you and then drive you around back to their nest in order to lay their eggs in you. Um, oh, yeah. and they become food it's a tried and tested uh enemy in sci-fi and stuff it is the you know the insectoid thing that keeps you alive yeah uh but it is it's disgusting whenever you see like nature documentaries about like insects or fungi or mold or whatever that like change uh a creature's uh nervous system in order to make it more pliant in order to to be eaten alive it's always horrible and yeah. these are likewise really really gross so it's okay though because the space marines chalk them up uh yeah they're soon. all wearing they're, they're all wearing armor so the the needle spiky bits can't get in and they've got sahariel who turns them into slush basically with his <laughs> well, with his magic i could yeah this is this is what he does um i, I wrote down the quote so he uses his magic and then it says a dozen of the creatures exploded showering a squad with shattered chitin and a must of stinking ichor which just <laughs> using two of the absolute classic um words uh that are used to describe alien species in this well chitin when they're still whole and then ichor when they are eviscerated yeah, one... by <laughs> One turns to the other. <laughs> <laughs> so they, but they, they know that like 
the the normal humans who will have been there before them, they won't have had armor on. Uh, they won't have been able to like uh, resist these uh, these creatures. So they think. Well, they're they're pretty sure that uh, all they need to do is follow these creatures, and that will lead them to you know whatever happened to the previous uh, humans. And so they do, and they find. Well, what can only be described as uh, a pile of bodies covered in in goo, <laughs> which which again, um, classic classic sci-fi, but also it's a classic for a reason. So, wait, so this is just reminding me of a bit I just read earlier on towards the end of the book where there was the phrase, literally a carpet of dead bodies, and I I, I was sat thinking about that phrase for a while. I was like. What does that mean? Literally, a carpet of dead bodies. Because that's, in, in a way, to me, you would just say, you know, like, like that's something beyond just there being like a, a bunch of dead bodies in the floor and you walk it, walk on it. That's like saying there's dead bodies arranged in such a way that you could like roll it up and you know cut it out and <laughs> stick oh, yeah, it down. There's some. been some stitching, maybe a nice, <laughs> nice hound's tooth pattern in there somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, carry on. Um. Yeah, and uh, so they destroy a few more of these worm creature things. Um, What's described as their death energies bring the corpses back to life. Now, that's a MacGuffin if you've ever heard one. Death energies, it's magic. Um, And underneath, these corpses are nothing. Don't worry about these corpses. These are just torched dealt with no problem at all but underneath those corpses is a worm queen (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i thought to be honest i thought the the worm queen i was like here we are here here it is um it chops a marine in half with its deadly pincers um they shoot out its eyes and uh we always go for the eyes but unlike most other cases it doesn't see through its eyes it sees through magic Uh, so it needs to be killed with magic and that's what Zahariel promptly does he burns it from from the inside out this is just making me imagine a um, it's brought me back to the imaginary uh, pitching room for the Black Library again where they've been saying to like (laughs) they're saying to Mike Lee Mike Lee's sort of saying he wants to do this second Dark Angels novel and he's like right so what's your like you know, there's, we know there's a, a, a sort of malevolent presence in this planet. What's your, how are you, what you're gonna make, how are you gonna manifest this force? And he's like, right, okay, so they're gonna like climb down. First of all, there's gonna be a a whole bunch of small worms. And when I say small, I don't mean like small as in what worms are like in real life. I mean they're they're big, uh, and they they wrap around them. They're kind of alien thing. They stick a try to stick a needle in the back of their heads and take them over and that sort of stuff but deal with them pretty fine then there's a bunch of kind of uh there's a lot of dead bodies um is are they like zombies that attack them at this point because that does they're 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 the sort of corpses of the previous humans so yeah they're exactly zombies but they do come to life at this point don't they yes so it's like so yeah they're all going to come to life but underneath the zombies is a giant worm. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I like that element. It was just... Uh... They, they, yeah, Z- Zahariel kills them with magic. And then he sort of... But he's knocked out by it. And it, the, the re- re- resulting sort of concussion blast knocks him backwards. 
and like it's so strong that like breaks all his bones so that Astalan basically has to reassemble him so when he comes to Astalan's like it says like he he's placing his legs back in the right direction <laughs> and you're like is this god this is this is some real body horror and then you find out that the the marine who'd been chopped in half by the by the worm queen isn't dead like he's he's gone into his hibernation state and it says that as they they are walking out of this structure they're carrying both hands both halves of brother gideon so that the so that the apothecary can like do whatever it is to stick him back together again look they're all like they're all like ribbon brother gideon for being a total softy about moaning for getting chopped in half <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it takes two of us to carry you now, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but what before, as they're carting Gideon away, um, Zachariel sees that like there's there's these um, runes that are hard to look at, magical evil runes, uh, in the shape uh, of an Ouroboros, um, and is clearly a sign of like natural Calibanite evil. And he is sort of aware that this is actually the source of Caliban's problems throughout the years and the the monsters and stuff. That it actually comes from within Caliban itself. Yeah. And so he needs to get back to to Luther and the rest of his brothers to tell them, you know, tell them the score. So that yeah, they refer to it as a taint, and like that Caliban has an innate problem with the stuff, like a, a taint, as they call it, and. Um, I think between this book and the last Archangels book, I, I I really think like that sort of atmosphere, like malevolent atmosphere of these forests and stuff and those areas, has just come across really well. I think you know like given that it's a sort of similar to what often is the case in these books that there's like some place with an evil presence of some sort, but oftentimes it just seems very generic and uh, I don't know. I just think they've done a good job of building up this sense of this sort of deep evil i guess in these yeah. forest areas when they're investigating this area this kind of feeling of evil around them yeah and i so i suppose it's it, uh, unusual in that um in the previous books we sort of have always known largely what's going on like I, i've always felt as the reader we know tons more than the any group of astartes yeah. or something that that we're reading about and so there's no real sense of horror or the unknown. Um, but that wasn't the case here, in that we literally didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And just like one thing before we move on from this kind of bit is, um, there's another thing that I thought was done unusually well here is like, I, mean, I think we've kind of called for this before, is like Primarchs, um, I suppose Space Marines in general, but Primarchs among Space Marines have are like, very unusual and normally that's just portrayed as we uh, often uh, talk about as kind of oh he was just so magnificent that everyone thought that you know had to yeah. felt, felt like bowing down when he appeared and and all this sort of stuff but there's a there's like a bit where it talks about so Nemiel is thinking about sorry this is like back in the other storyline Nemiel's thinking about the lion um, and he's sort of thinking he, he's thinking about the lion and Luther and saying actually it was Luther who did the the proper yeah. work of um, 
forging the alliance that led to the you know the monsters getting defeated, and then um, and it talks about like what the lion uh, had actually been living like an animal as it says here in the depths of the North Wales, um, and you know a sort of inaccessible wilderness. He didn't say a, f- a word for the first few months that he was at Alderuk with the the members of the order, and he was always considered cold and aloof. Even in later years, he was thought of as an intellectual and a scholar. Um, and then, then it says Nemio knew that to be true, but he, now he also wondered if Lionel Johnson, the superhuman son of the Emperor himself, could not relate to the people around him. Um, and it says, like, are we all ciphers to him? Johnson had so little in common with humanity. What did that make him? And I thought that was like actually quite a quite a good discussion of like the what must be the weirdness and the different you know the nature of a primarch it also seems like um quite a profound and quite a developed thought to just happen to somebody all at once it just seems like that that doesn't come upon somebody in a blink of an eye that should be developed over a bit of time no, that's fair but I, I do i do agree but i did see that as like a is lionel johnson whole without his right-hand man luther to sort of do the work of um of like human interactions yeah i mean but i mean that's like a whole direction whole theme that books on this subject could have but they just don't really it's like space marines are like normal humans when it's convenient for them to be in these books and then other times they're totally not you know and like it's never really addressed what like how strange it must be to be this sort of genetically um enhanced you know, eternally living person that exists only to fight. You know, it's just like it would make someone completely different than than someone who lives in normal human society. And normally, it's not really like that. They're basically just presented as like soldiers, as if you were reading a sort of work of military historical fiction. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. and like, and then obviously the the primarchs would be even would have an even more detached um, life than that, and it kind of addresses that a little here yeah I, I, I accept that it's kind of weird the way it's presented as as just him having this internal monologue but um but the the description in itself i thought was like yeah and it wasn't really explored that much else for the rest of the book to be honest but it wasn't uh, but it, yeah but at least they're t- at least they're touching on things that we would like to see develop um so they they go back and present all of this unhappy information to luther who sort of rages a little bit and doesn't understand how the Ouroboros could have been there. Um, but he asks, how did the Imperium miss that Caliban was tainted? How could they not have looked? Um, and they've got Brother Israfael, who is the head um, librarian and a Terran, and says that basically they, they didn't find it because they didn't look. They didn't, you know, they didn't think that it would be there. They didn't notice any warp touch because there there weren't any monsters by the time they arrived. So they just didn't bother looking, which is understand understandable and completely inept at the same time. Almost, you know, yeah. I like like I it's believable is what I mean. Stupidly believable, I suppose. But they they find out that a little bit more by um, that they found enough bodies in this sort of uh, ritual that was happening there that uh, amounted for all the soldiers and stuff they were expecting, except for some engineers, some Terran engineers. Um, and Luther just like lays it all on, out on the table 
and says it's it's not the Calibanites who we have to worry about. It's uh, there were no Calibanites trying to summon dark powers before the Terrans came. Israfael, who is a Terran, is the one to stand up for them and through them the Imperium. Uh, and says, well, this sounds like treachery to me. And there's, there's a bit of a standoff, but um, Luther gets in the way and says, we're all brothers here, aren't we? We're all uh, we're all dark angels first. And everyone goes, yeah, 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 I suppose we are. I suppose, suppose we're, we're fine. Yeah, let's do that. Anyway, let's... Um, uh, oh, yeah, Cypher is milling around at this time, looking sort of <laughs> inconspicuous, but I think rubbing his gin... At all the times, just going, hmm, you know, he's a bad and we know that. Sorry, this is just getting to something that I just thought was a really... You talked about MacGuffins earlier on, and I thought this whole notion of Terran sorcerers mm. was a total weird MacGuffin that bad. just didn't make sense at all, right? Like, what... what like, for a start, the, the, these Terran sorcerers... Sorry, like, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit in the story... Um, should we just do this story and then do the other one? Uh, is that the easiest way to do it? Um, is this the... Uh, yeah, fine. Okay. I don't think there's anyone that we really need to focus on. Do one or the other. Right, so... So, yeah, so they have this sort of fight. And it emerges there's, like, sort of rumours of Terran sorcerers in the North Wilds Arcology, which is basically like a mega city thing. Um, and... Uh, with where millions of people live and where the the rebels had been active, and there's they get word of sort of Terran a cult kind of of Terran, I think entirely or at least mainly made up of Terrans. Well, the, yeah, they they know um, that there there were a small group. I think eight uh, Terran engineers at this place that they'd just been to. And they were able to identify who they were. But they'd, by that time, they'd scarpered off to the sarcology and had disappeared in amongst the fray and all the rioting and stuff like that. So that's their next, really, port of call, really. Yeah, and like... <clears throat> like, the, these Terran sorcerers are totally instrumental to, like, this part of the... the this storyline in the book, right? Like, central to how this finishes off and all the events that happen from this point onwards. And yet they're like completely background characters whose motivations are not at all explored. Um, yeah. And I was like, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. You'd think like Terrans who are out here on the frontier for the Imperium, if anything, they're likely to be much more dedicated to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the ideology of the Imperium. <laughs> like, the, but the, the space Marines seem to be. Yeah, and like you think, how the what? The, how has this come about? Like you know, I can only imagine yeah. there'd be some story about they've sensed that there's some evil force there, and they wanted. But it's just like, it was really strange because it's so central, and yet it was so like dealt with exactly. in such a profound exactly. way. Exactly. Like, why are the Terrans the 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 bad guys here? Why are they the sorcerers, and why are they prone to uh, supporting warp the warp and stuff? It's completely unexplored unexplained and seems like completely central to everything that's happening and yet isn't even explained in any sense well the thing is you could you could understand the storyline that was kind of developing about like luther and others and the rebels obviously are resentful of the rule of the imperium they don't think i mean this is something we discussed in the last episode they don't think it's brought them 
the benefits that it should have done for what they've had to pay for it kind of thing. You know what I mean? And that that yeah. kind of makes sense as a storyline. On top of that, they just throw, oh yeah, also, there's a few Terrans who are into black magic and want to summon the <laughs> chaos things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it, it really, it undercuts to me. It, it, it's so like so much of what we've talked about before. It's that there is something there that I think needs to be explored right this this group of calbanites um what has the imperium done done for them and you're like yes it, exactly let's let's follow this um let, let's have this conflict between uh, the bringer of the imperial truth and this other sort of r- almost rural backcountry type of of historical uh, of, of of history of the of these people Let's bring that together and let's let's see what happens. And it, it just is ruined by the fact, oh yeah, and these people that you're fighting against will turn you into a monster. Well, it's just got, you know, it, yeah. it it's it just it's like, well, obviously you're going to fight against that. It, it but just, I, I, yeah, sorry, it's it got so confusing here. And I'm, wait, I, I sound like I'm really moaning about this book, but I actually I still enjoyed it. Right, I still enjoyed pretty much most of the book, but this was just nonsense like and it was really confusing by the end of it so to describe the situation that's going on at the end so yeah the the thing we just talked about was enough where you had sort of this idea of resentment among and i kind of thought that's where the story was going like you know there's resentment among uh, the rebels and among luther for slightly different reasons you know more personal reasons with the lion but he could then throw that in with this idea of the calvinite rebellion and that they might you know just have some knowledge of chaos that they wanted to draw upon which kind of is what happens but there's just so many other elements thrown into the the mix like this whole thing going down the archaeology and there's a little bit there's a little bit where there's some stuff that is like what we were calling for in terms of what's the kind of social basis of this rebellion and uh and you know you do sort of get some stuff about like inequality and the archaeology basically and like yeah um, definitely yeah and that's that's that like was made sense so you've got the the rebellion, right? And there's we get introduced to a bunch of their leaders again, and there's sort of strife amongst them. So that's one thing. Then Remiel is revealed to be part of them. Uh, old Master Remiel, who's old, dead. <laughs> was he dead? I, I couldn't remember if he'd just gone off into the wilderness. or Right, okay, but he was gone anyway, but now he's back and he's a rebel. Um, and so they, they have an argument when uh, Zahario is meeting them uh, and and a couple of them just like all right fuck this i don't want to be in there i don't want to be with you guys anymore um so that's like just i'm just sort of going over this quickly to describe no, all fine, the different fine. elements right so like they're fighting a little bit in the rebellion right you've got remio who was previously in the knightly order um zahario is why does he go to talk to them in the first place again uh well uh, because uh he needs there he needs a sort of ceasefire with the rebels yeah, uh, and also the rebels' help uh, in order to get down to uh, the the depths of this arcology yeah. in order to deal with the big bad evil. Because the big bad evil is that this um, this uh, ritual which they've seen and which they destroyed was actually just one of many rituals, and that they were all leading towards the North Wilds arcology, which which is where this sort of overall ritual would would take place and so they needed to get there otherwise um caliban could be like completely fucked yeah so so they're like yeah zahario was motivated by 
wanting to save Caliban, basically, right? So, but anyway, Zaharil himself, the main character, he's been suffering, as we talked about in the first half, first bit of this book, conflicting feelings about where his allegiances lie. Right, and you've got Luther, who obviously has been doing some cryptic behaviour. Um, <laughs> then, uh, then there's like the imperial bureaucrats and like generals, like this guy Morton or something like that, who's who's there administering stuff at the Arcology. And then, uh, then a little bit later on, we find out who Ward uh, Cipher is, and this just was like this is another thing I was like. This isn't. This makes very little sense. Um, yeah, it started getting like massively muddled at this point. Yeah, and like by this point, I was like, "Is this just me, or is this like really getting a bit confusing?" And it was hard to like. It was getting hard to work out what people's motivations were, you know, for like. Well, I, I, I'm not even sure that the motivations of Cipher was were ever explored. Um, all of Cipher's parts, where the Lord Cipher appears, are muddled and. Very important, but completely unexplained. So it, it, it goes back to when the Order were fighting against the Knights of Lupus. And when they destroyed them at the end of that book, they didn't destroy them all because there were some knights on, you know, dark, uh, dark deeds in other parts of the land. And one of them, a young knight, decided just to take off all his knightly robes, put on like just rural peasant garb and then rejoin the Order become a knight of the order and be the lord cipher also yeah this this did not make sense at all right um or, or again was just unnecessarily convoluted um so basically that as it turns out he's very this lord cipher is very supportive of luther right in the story um like because they start fighting with like that guy as Raphael again and um Cypher shoots him basically, right? Um but he the re- how he became Lord Cypher was like uh so so the, the Knights of Lupus uh, yeah, it goes in a bit about them. I think there was hints towards there was some stuff about this before, but they they knew a lot about like the sort of taint on Caliban and um they had a whole bunch of books about it uh, that uh, Lionel Johnson took back to the the citadel of the of the Knightly Order. Um, see, even as I describe this, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting myself confused again, right? But um, he, yeah. sorry, no, no, he he had those books, um, but he um, he took. He appointed the Lord Cipher over, um, was it Ramiel or Daviel? Like it, it was uh, above uh, somebody who was expected to get it, um, and he was like completely unknown knight. But it turns out that this knight is the one that uh, the that Cipher is the one that sort of leads Luther down this dark path and getting him involved in like magic and uh, all this dark shit. Yeah. Uh, but also he was like handpicked by Lionel Johnson as like somebody that he could trust completely. Yeah. And, uh, well, how does, um, how, uh, what, what's going on here? And this is where it gets really wild though, is because like it says that he, that Lionel Johnson knew that he had been in the Knights of Lupus 
Yeah. And that was why he could trust him, because like But yet he but yet he destroyed all of this guy's knightly brotherhood. I know, and it's like, like it's what? like what sort of a fucking like <laughs> like it's just <laughs> stupid. And then obviously he's like he's into like you know, in the context of the story, obviously as it <laughs> made abundantly clear in the first half of the book, he was into some sort of shifty chaos magic stuff and like I, I assume there's going to be another book about these guys at some point down the line and we're going to find out what exactly the depths of that all were but but why like what is the basis of that idea he was like oh yeah this is a guy who was part of the the order that I basically wiped out apart from him and like four others so and, I knew I could trust them <laughs> so I can definitely trust him way more than all of my what I mean? Yeah. What the fuck? It just like doesn't make any goddamn sense. Anyway, but like, what did you think about um, Zahariel and Namiel through through this bit? I thought they came across as really average rube fucks. You know, <laughs> like I thought they were they were all kind of described as like being kind of shit. They were now just sort of average Joe Space Marines, essentially, both of them. Oh, I, I think Namiel is way worse than the average Space Marine. <laughs> like, he, he really is a dumb shit. Okay. Zahariel, slightly better, but again, they are just like the wide-eyed observers of, of, of the plot in this. They're all just like, huh? Like, as one thing happens to them, and then they're just, like, looking around them, just, like, all kind of Scooby-Doo stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like we absolutely hated this book, but... No, I, I think... I think... I quite liked this. Uh, I didn't quite like it as, as much as the start of it, but I did like it. Um, anyway, but anyway, let's let's leave that until until we end. Let's get to the to the end of this... Uh, of this thread. I prefer the, the other thread, to be honest with you. So yeah, me too, me too. Finish this off. Uh, where are we? Um, well, we were just describing all the confusion around this whole thing at the archaeology, but basically, let's um, let's be at the archaeology, shall we? Yeah, let's... yeah. Amidst all of that, so eventually we end up in a situation where there's been a confrontation. Oh yeah, Luther's gone away. Cipher doesn't want to let Zahariel get into him, but Zahariel does some psychic stuff to Cipher. Some sort of psychic attack says basically, "I'll make you do it if you don't just do it." So he goes and. Brings him down a very long, uh, very deep underground sort of path to uh, a library uh, with books all over the floor and stuff where uh, Luther is looking not very well and reading lots of yeah, books. You, you know, like readers. You know what they're like? <laughs> Various symbols like t- painted on his arms and stuff like that as well oh yeah that's right that's right but never described as like bad they're not like carved into him but uh yeah so uh they, they have a big standoff in there uh the situation is described to him that they need to get to the archaeology all shit has gone down uh they need to get to the archaeology fast otherwise caliban's for it um and then it's all it all sort of comes out um Israfile on one hand on the Emperor's side uh, and Luther on the Calibanite side and Luther basically this is his moment where it all comes out and he says that they've been portrayed by Lionel Johnson that he always knew that the taint on Caliban was here he didn't do anything about it and then the Space Marines who he's, he sent back he sent back knowing that the Imperium would destroy Caliban because of the taint. Yeah. And that, that is how 
he uh, has like broken faith with them and they don't and therefore doesn't deserve to be followed by the dark angels after this confrontation Zahario and Luther and the rest of them take off for uh, sorry we should we no we should probably um talk about uh Zahariel's moment of clarity his realization about the headaches <laughs> right, okay so the 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 checkoff headaches uh, are actually him trying to shake off the mental block that had been put on him in the last book this is also a bit head scratching and also requires a very good memory on the part of people reading these books because um during the emperor's visit you'll remember that some guy tried to uh kill the emperor with a makeshift bomb oh yeah um and that um israfael took zahariel up to a ship they met the emperor the emperor questioned him found out that name or zahariel knew nothing about it um but told israfael to put a block on his memories yeah because um nobody can remember that uh there was dissent in the order because it's going to be super important uh for the future that there's unity Mm, uh, that doesn't sound particularly clever to me but the emperor as we know is not very clever um so israfile does it and he's in the same room as Zahariel, as he remembers, and Zahariel goes, you messed with my mind, brother. And <laughs> quick as a flash, Israfael knows exactly what he's talking about and says, and I would do it again. The, the emperor direct me, directed me to, like really dick dastardly. Um, and that is really sort of it. Like, I, I, I'm not quite sure of what that means in, in this storyline. Do you remember there was like was there not a moment where Nemio was like trying to get Zahario involved in a group that were like uh, Oh yeah, yeah, that that's one of the um that's th- those are the people who who did it. Yeah. Um and who did, who did the bombing. But then but yeah, so that's that just made me think it's really weird how like Nemio at that point was seemingly interested in a sort of rebellion against the Imperium and that's like just gone completely. Um, I, I actually like that. I mean, I, I, I'm i not sure if I mentioned it in the last episode or not, but I, I meant to. Was that I, I really kind of liked how the characters were slightly different in that um, it actually made mention in the in the first part of the book that um, Namuel is now a, a, a redemptor, which is the equivalent of a chaplain, somebody... Uh, whose role it is to keep the sort of spirits up and to keep the imperial truth burning in the hearts of the warriors and stuff. And Nemuel even sort of remarks to himself, God, what if Zahariel could see me now? How how unusual that is that I'm this kind of person or I was this kind of person and now I'm this kind of space marine. I kind of like just that idea that even space marines change, you know, over time and don't fulfill their the role that they think they would be as a kid and stuff just seems like a sort of slight slightly natural point slightly more real point um well, we know, in a book we know the the change when they get their faces melted off by plastic <laughs> true <laughs> true but uh, as far as i can remember he didn't get caustic slime spilt on him <laughs> so i mean your point is a fair one but he didn't get slimed so mm, you know Think on that. <laughs> yeah, so 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 they're off to the North Wilds. There's it's all kicking off there. 
in ways that we're getting quite confusing. Like, there's rebellion going on. There's people being the kind of the the imperial um, like troops and peacekeepers are kind of being arseholes a yeah. bit. Um, and but also there's a big ritual going on down at the bottom of the archaeology. Definitely, Zaharia leads them right to it. Um, it takes quite a while for them to get to it, but basically there's a whole lot of corpses, but they just burn through them. It's yeah. fine, not a problem. The, this is where the carpet of dead yeah, bodies exactly. is. Um, and 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 don't forget there is, there are there are those worms again. And just as you were saying before, the escalation <laughs> from from the worms to the worm queens there are some they find the terran sorcerers and they are summoning what i can only call a worm king <laughs> well no yeah it's exactly. a bigger worm in this bit in this bit the worm queens are now just the normal worms they're like your standard yeah. worm in this bit <laughs> there's a much larger much larger worm oh okay so you're using video game sequel logic i get it <laughs> I get it. So, <laughs> so the big the the big bad in the last game, there's now millions of them, and they're the starter enemy. Because a, a new console has come out, and the technology <laughs> of this allows developers to make much bigger worms. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, <laughs> and but not only is this a worm king and bigger, it's also a spectral worm. So it's like it's quite a bit more dangerous. Um, Spectrality. <laughs> Is usually associated with threat in these. Uh, Absolutely, fucking exactly. <laughs> uh, so um, Luther, with like cyber, cyber, cipher, kind of like prodding him, just going like, "Here's a here's a book of magic spells for you, Luther. Why don't you try out one of these? Take this grimoire. To <laughs> take this grimoire. Just try out the one I've marked it. I've marked. It. I've got a little bookmark. It's, yes, it's yes, it's human skin. Um, why don't you Why don't you try that spell there? I've highlighted it in yellow. Don't be so judgmental. That it's in human skin. It doesn't mean it's bad. <laughs> That's all I had. I just grabbed it. Um, and so uh, Zahariel is like trying to like hold it at bay, this massive spectral worm. And Luther comes and says, say these words exactly. <laughs> Zahariel's just kind of gone along with this like total rebellion. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's I, another weird thing. Yeah, he just sort of floats along with it. Like you say, he's just sort of, yeah, relaying the story without <laughs> seemingly. Yeah. Having, yeah. Um, uh, so he's like, he, he casts this spell this spell of binding on this worm and luther has a conversation with it asking asking its name <laughs> as if it's just like come to his house he's like yes you can come in for tea but i will have your name first <laughs> yeah so the, so they, they kind of like they stop the main summoning ritual that's going on but it's kind of advanced too far to completely stop it but so they kind of start their own ritual of binding because luther's like uh there's like the one which is quite which is a fair point he's like the emperor's scared of stuff from the warp so to not be like conquered by the imperium again we need to we need to you know get in on that basically um and so he's like we need to harness this creature to our will kind of thing so luckily cypher's got a spell for that in the grimoire which zahariel recites for luther so it casts it and uh yeah, then he asks its name. So it's obviously like, it says Ouroboros is its name, but he's like, no, not the name that humans call you. What's your real name? So it's obviously one of the chaos gods, but we don't find out which I one. Don't, I don't think it's obviously a chaos god. It's just a demon. It's just a good demon. 
oh no no the way that's like totally trailed it's like what's your name your name it's got to be some significant name that's going to be revealed at some point or that fans are okay. going to go, yeah i know it's i know it's that because oh it's, okay you know I, I don't know i just i felt that's the way it was being written but maybe it's not but if it is a demon it must be like a demon that's known in the war or something you know what i mean yeah there's so yeah. much em- emphasis put on this on the name yeah the name, yeah, yeah. yeah um but so they do the spell I don't really know what happened to the demon at this point, but it went away. And it, well, first of all, it went, <laughs> went into Zaharyl's head. And it says it, it expanded within him. But at, what happened was this spell of binding, before they did it, they cut down all the priests who were doing the summoning spell. And so the summoning couldn't last forever. And so it just sort of disappeared back into where they had drawn it from. And then it said that Zaharyl dropped down dead. End of chapter. But that's all right, because the first line of the next chapter, he's not dead. It's fine. It was the quickest back to life I have ever read in a single book. I know. Well, we already know that we already know from this book that you can be cut in two by a worm monster and easily enough brought back to life. That's true. Shouldn't shouldn't surprise us. But um, to have one be inside you. uh, And that's fine. Have a demon inside you. Um, But um, yeah, there's some sort of reference to this demon thing whatever it is it's like still on caliban it's not like going back into the yeah ether. it's still kind of there on caliban so yeah and um zahariel's been brought back to life by again some sort of spells wasn't it um yeah by some spell and he's been out for eight months uh luther had cast a spell on him zahariel Z- thinks to himself he actually does remember the demon's name he yeah. is not telling luther and so they're just getting Luther's like this is good, this is going to be a good old time now in Caliban. We're gonna it's going to be a golden age, and we're gonna yeah. And I I love that line because we've heard that from Johnson, from the Emperor, and now from the the new despot, and always always um, tiding the next golden age, and none of them ever coming. I thought that was a really good bit. And um, Zaharyl's like, well, what we're we going obviously the Imperium's going to come and conquer us again. He's like, well, no, it should be cool because. There's a big heresy going on led by Horus, so um, they like they won't have the resources to bother with us. Which I do quite like the fact that this is sort of like, you know, it's a it's a um, turn into chaos kind of slowly. It's a rebellion against the Imperium, but it has its own motivations. You know, I mean, it's not just like an agent of Horus turned up and said, you know, join our scheme. It's actually like it's yeah. actually a thing that has emerged sort of from its own circumstances. But obviously presumably gets caught up in the wider again like i I would have really liked that if it was just the local calibanite conflict but like in the next line luther goes oh yeah and by the way um we're going to summon that snake monster again (laughs) Uh, but we'll be better prepared this time you mark my words anyway you have a meal you make yourself strong again and then uh, and then we'll be you know that the, the worm monster that killed you We'll be doing that again. Do you know what? <laughs> I just found a bit here really weird where it just it had like a bit of a description of how hungry, how hungry Zahariel was. And I was just like, for some reason, I found that just really weird. Like, uh, just weirdly sort of, you know, quotidian for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, come on, get get something down you. We can't talk about, you can't talk about snake monster summoning on an empty stomach. <laughs> <laughs> this, this this podcast is going to be a fucking nightmare because we like the other thread and we haven't even fucking started it oh, yet. Right, so we okay. need to yeah. right. 
It's okay. That, it could be summarized much more easily, the other Fred, because it's less confusing. That's um, that's true. That's true. Anyway, Diamat. Do you remember Diamat? <laughs> uh, it is. There is. It's a planet where there is a, a forge that um, Johnson wants to take in order to keep it from falling into the hands of uh, the War Master, because it has some. Uh, it's a. It can reprovision them forever, and uh, they can't have that. Yeah. So where we left it was uh, Nemiel had dropped, but um, like most of these drop pod landings, it doesn't go well. They all get scattered, but he'd like carved his way through to all his men, and that uh, they had uh, regrouped, and now they were heading towards the the main assault on the forge. Um, <laughs> this was fucking hilarious. This bit. There were some like little outposts manned by. Uh, rebel warriors and um what what they did was they hollowed out some normal troop carrying machines like just made for humans but squeezed the starties into them (laughs) do you remember this and um they they had one astartes driving who was lying sideways across both (laughs) both driver and passenger seat and so, so just kind of drew they were assaulting via the clown car method of like they drove one up and then they got through the first gate but they didn't know that there was a second gate with like concrete bollards in front of it and they were just like fucking drive over the top of it so one of them drives up over the top of it and like is marooned on top of this concrete bollard the other one piles into the back of it pushing it forward it it made me think of you know the um when we both lived in glasgow the um the so-called terrorist attack on glasgow airport Oh, John Smeaton. John Smeaton. yeah well people won't know this but there was like two guys um drove um a range rover full of like petrol cans and stuff and tried to bomb glasgow airport but they they couldn't get past the metal railing so they decided to get out and um pull some of these canisters of petrol and decide like just to carry them in and try and explode them themselves one of them got a bit messed up and set himself on fire (laughs) and as he was burning on his hands and knees i mean it's kind of funny because he's a terrorist fuck him but as he was burning john smeaton local glasgow hero (laughs) runs up and kicks him in the head no in the balls kicked him so hard in the balls that he broke a tendon in his foot oh that's right he broke his foot while kicking him in the balls (laughs) And there was a lot of there was a lot of good Scottish Twitter jokes about that in the following days, about how how shit these terrorists were that they couldn't even make petrol go on fire properly. But um, it just made me think of that as all these like Astartes in a car, just like just everything going wrong. And it's just like this is this is comedic how shit these folks are i mean the way you've described there is an incredibly slapstick scene yeah uh, also just just reminds me of like that bit in an episode of the simpsons where like a really large man extricates himself from a tiny car don't you remember that he just sort of <laughs> unfolds his huge yeah exactly <laughs> um, but like you cannot write that scene without knowing how 
how funny it is. Like, I th- it's meant to be that way, <laughs> I think, anyway. Um, but anyway, they, they take over this. They, they cut down the humans whenever they're inside, no problems at all. And they encounter these Skitari Praetorians. Now, these are the, the armed soldiers of the Mechanicum. Uh, they, but they're the best ones. They're about Space Marine size. They're like bulked up gene monsters with uh, guns and weapons grafted onto them. Um, Namiel embarrasses himself utterly by greeting them with this phrase, Ave, Praetorians! <laughs> Followed, like, oh. <laughs> as he says that, he gets fucking blasted by them. Like, he just gets torn up. Um, oh, no, no, he doesn't. They, they, Yeah, no, they start firing. But at that time, just before anything bad really happens, um, the Magos comes past and he's the the head of the forge and deactivates the Skatari before anything like Oh yeah, really he's like, Oh stop, 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 stop. Um yeah. And like <laughs> it just made me think like those sk- those like Praetorians were just you know, they were just at a tipping point and were like, if I hear one more fucking Roman joke, <laughs> I am gonna snap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Quick as like, quick as lightning. They're like, "What the fuck did he say?" <laughs> Ave Praetorian. <laughs> well, this motherfucker needs to die just for being just, just for saying that. Ave, my God. Um, so um, this this Migos, his name is Archoy. Um, he apologizes. He offers assistance. Uh, to the Astartes, one of them's wounded. Um, he says, "Why don't we go back to the forge? We can we can talk a bit more there." Um, but the, our choice says that the Primarch has just messaged them and says that rebel forces are in full retreat in orbit, and um, that you know they're there to go back to Johnson's ship and have a council up there. So our choice goes with them. And the planetary governor is there as well, and he basically says that you know we were left alone. The the Mechanicum did absolutely nothing for us against these <coughs> rebels, and uh, our choice says that came from the previous, um, uh, the previous Archmagos of the facility. He died in the assault, but now I'm your man. I can help you. I can. You know, I can resupply all your ships. You've got an ally in me. Yeah, and and um, Lionel Johnson starts asking him some pointed questions about what he's got in his warehouses and stuff like that. That uh, Nemo's like, "What's that all about?" Basically, I I thought this was like the most perfectly fair question to ask. Johnson is like, "Give me an inventory of all the weaponry you have." in your yeah. forge because we're going to need some of it we're going to be protecting you we're going to need the ammo and yeah. Emil is like why is he asking these <laughs> questions yeah and Artur goes well I might not be able to give you a full inventory because a lot of our you know a lot of our buildings were damaged and Johnson goes oh no just give me as much as you can give me yeah and Emil goes hmm and I, it just seemed out of place for uh, th- that is the most logical that is the thing that you ask for i think in that situation it's true if Namiel hadn't been like commenting on it being strange if you just read the exchange between the two of them you wouldn't yeah. have thought much of it but there there are weeks of preparation 
because um, Johnson knows that they haven't won. They, they've just bought some time until Horace sends some more ships. So they're preparing, they're resupplying the Mechanicum of like um, sent up people to uh, resupply ships to repair the ones that were damaged in the orbital conflict and stuff. Yeah. And so things are going kind of okay. But Namiel confronts Johnson about the ulterior motive that he had for questioning Archoy and stuff. Johnson goes, oh, that's quite clever that you saw through my my questioning. Uh, he says that uh, Diamat is important because of some war machines, some yeah, some some tanks basically um, that Horus had commissioned 150 years earlier, and that he will want to pick up. Namiel asks, "Well, why don't you just tell your soldiers?" Um, and the, again. You're like, yeah, that's a fair question to ask. He sends Nemeo on a kind of like secret mission with a few handpicked friends amongst the space marines. <laughs> I couldn't think of another word to use. <laughs> Pick some nice guys. <laughs> um, and they are to go and secretly check out, like, they, they know that, like, the Mechanicum, they've said that they're sort of defending this particular factory sector or something. And they are good to go and spy at what's going on, and they sort of sneak in. And I can't remember how exactly they see, but they see that Archoy is like is treacherous, basically. And he's had a he basically had murdered the. Yeah, they they find a huge empty warehouse that was big enough for big war machines to be in, but it's empty apart from the door is covered in like loads and loads of gore and they from that they deduce that lots of people were killed in front of the door including the Archmagos who uh, and from all of this they're like huh, okay so that means that these people were assassinated uh, it's like a firing range thing and one of them was the, the last Archmagos so that's probably because a coup happened here and why else would a coup happen apart from um, Horus being involved. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot that there's, this was in one place and then they got through to another place, which was where the actual machines were. Uh, yeah, the the, the machines, they, they have a conversation and go like, where could the machines be now? Well, they, they, they were created 150 years ago. They probably need to be outfitted or like, you know, just gone over, given a once over, given a good wash and, you know, polish and stuff. So the only place big enough for them is the Titan Foundry. So um, they head out there. They they could have solved all the problems by just messaging Johnson at this point and just saying, this is what we find. We think there's been a coup. We don't think you can trust um, the Magos. But uh, Namiel, clever as he is, goes, no, no, no. We need a lot more evidence than that. So they, they all go to the Titan Foundry and find these huge single man siege weapon things and that's where they see Archoy in the middle of some treacherous business <laughs> i can't remember he's doing this doing a deal <laughs> yeah. um and it's it kicks off pretty quick they get spotted and it's a trap they've been trapped by Archoy, and that all uh, kicks off into a big fight which was pretty good it was all right yeah um because they're like running along walkways and um, but they they managed to send the 
Mechanicum, the Traitor Mechanicum folks packing temporarily, um, and they get back to John uh, Johnson and the main force. Well, before that happens, they try and send a message, but it's all being jammed. Oh yeah. And at that time, the Magos sends like a a, a coded message to all the the workers that he has embedded with all the military units and on all the ships um which sort of activates them they're like a yeah. sort of sleeper cell and they activate and they attack the army units they attack the astartes and it causes explosions and stuff on the ships in orbit there is also a uh, a rebel fleet sneaking up on them as well at this point yeah so when they try to fire their missiles that when they like imperial loyalists try to fire their missiles they blow up because the mechanicum had the traitor mechanicum had put them in to yeah sabotage them um johnson sends like a lot of their fleet is destroyed but johnson sends the rest away and he teleports down to join them and he uh, meets up with namiel and prepares the rest of the uh loyal fl- uh, the loyal soldiery for an assault because the sons of Horus will be right behind them. Yeah, he also fires a kind of like massive bomb at the forge. Oh yeah, thing it completely obliterates it before he's even like properly had word. It's basically he's worked this out for himself before he's even spoken to Nemiel and that, and uh, blew it up. And they kind of see that on their way back. So yeah, they and they sort of fight their way back to uh johnson and they yeah going like they go to where the the weapons were the the war machines and think we'll fortify here because they wouldn't want to just like they'll have to come and actually fight at it they won't want to just yeah. put up because they want the machines um and there, there, there is a a good sense of like wave after wave of of assault on them um and they persist for a while until and like it's it's actually a good bit where um, it's wave after wave of normal humans testing the the strength of the defenders, uh, and then when they're just about to break, that's when the sons of Horus pour in, yeah. and it's Astartes on Astartes, and I think this is the first time we really get to see the sons of Horus since they're like they're they're the bad yeah. guys, yeah. and it's a really good scene because they're better than the Dark Angels. Yeah, and it describes them really well as like you know these. Are the people that have just committed this mass atrocity on Istvan and how I, I and also talks about their all their experience before that. I thought this whole battle was really good, this kind of siege bit. And yeah, yeah and yeah, um, they start fighting. I kinda of thought we were gonna maybe get a character showing up that we knew from previous books here, but we didn't. Um, yeah. but it was still really cool, um, really, really good battle scene and And then Johnson steps in and kills a load of them and the rest run away. But before that it looked like um the Dark Angels were going to get, like, wiped out. But at this point, yeah, even though Johnson repels that attack, they're like, well, the next attack's going to get us, basically, because they lost a bunch of yeah. Dark Angels in that one. And then uh, Nemio is speaking to Ascal- Ascalon, uh, who is a tech marine. But he's He's been injured, but he's been checking out this war machine. And so they're kind of chatting about, well, how would you actually control this? And, it's, and he's like, well... The, the the Magos or Magos or whatever you, however you call it, he's like made it so you can't really just uh, you can't really use them and um, he's like it's a bit like a, a Titan how that would work and stuff like this and they're but they're basically saying well there's 
there's that we can't use them and then <laughs> i love this bit actually and then so harry sorry nemio's like i've got an idea and then then it goes goes back to just the battle scene yeah like the, the final attack and then like so we we've not mentioned him in this episode i don't think but there's this dreadnought called titus i think was he called yeah yeah and that's the guy the dreadnought that they'd rescued from the other drop pod at the end of the bit we talked about last time um so he's he's there in the fight he's, his his like cannon thing is broken now but he's still there fighting and he just gets blown up in the scene and i was a bit like oh that was a bit of a you know perfunctory death for titus and it didn't seem to dwell on it or be like oh no we've lost brother titus and the reason why was because they basically put Titus in the giant war machine to yep. control it. He comes his, rolling out. His new body was a giant building-sized tank. <laughs> That's it. Was really cool. It was a real A-team moment. Yeah, yeah it was fucking good. Like, um, and it just made me think, God. And that this this particular this storyline in this book was good for that. Just like fun action, you know. And yeah. Like he just rolled out and like shot up the sons of Horus who who had just been presented to us as like totally badass and we're going to overrun them and he like he's got so many cannons on his like new yeah machine. no it's great like who doesn't love that I've got an idea you know that Hannibal's I've got a plan and he gets the duct tape and he gets the welding and stuff and he, he just sellotape the machine guns to the side of the van and burst out of the chicken coop and you know, they just blast everyone to pieces. And that's what happens here. And I, I, I like that. I, I like that sort of trope. <laughs> um, and yeah, he just like fires off the cannons. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Book's over. And then, but, but then he's like, no, he fires, he fight, fires the cannons at the ones that are fighting right there. But then Lionel Johnson's like, how long would it take you to fire a huge missile at their like, landing place where, all, where, their, <laughs> where their forces are gathered? And he's like, like five minutes, and he <laughs> <laughs> five minutes. But this, is, I'm not sure about the recoils. So you need to get like you need to take a good step, and they like retreat 250 meters. I think it says, and yet they're still blown back by the recoil of this cannon. <laughs> he watches this absolutely huge missile <laughs> that takes two minutes to hit the target, and yet they can see the shell fly through the sky. It's like and then 30 it just, kilometers away, and it's yeah, and, and they just blast like atomic bomb sized like. Uh, mushroom cloud so they so they like so having been like totally under the cosh they then have completely turned it around and they've they've uh defeated the sons of horus on the planet but um so then then it cuts there was a, a an initially unnamed primarch is talking to i hate uh, this i i think this I, I was really angry at this i think it was <laughs> i think it's it's the worst ending i can possibly think of but then, like so and, and lionel johnson's like He's basically saying to this other Primarch, will you back me to be the new war master when the time comes? And this guy's like, yeah, no problem. Um, give me these war machines and I'll put them to good use. And then it's like, uh, at the end, it's like he's Perturabo from the, what are they, Iron Warriors? or No idea. Something like that. But one of the ones that turns bad. Anyway, one of the so. bad ones. And I was just like, oh, fuck off. Like the whole book was about keeping these safe, and then you give them away in a line at the end of the book. Yeah, fuck, it is a bit. Fuck you. It's a bit annoying. Um, <laughs> you know it's just made me think like when you were saying like these guns are like 150 years old or whatever like it's kind of funny if you think of like you know in our real world like what I like a cannon from 150 years ago would be like compared to like now it'd be funny if it's just like this whole thing was like Horace was just saying to his like followers like oh these cannons man they are they are fucking 
something else. Wait till yeah. you see these. <laughs> they turn up and they're just these like, <laughs> like muskets. <laughs> rusty old vintage things. Boris, <laughs> <laughs> well, you said these were these would be top of the range. And like, well, I haven't actually seen them. Um they probably are, I did say I did say make them better than anything on the market. When when were they made? Oh, they were made 150 years ago. What the fuck are you talking about? You fucking idiot. Fuck. These are flintlock muskets. <laughs> <laughs> who who uses flint? Yeah. I I the mechanicum said they could make me a real tasty weapon. It it really I thought like it it affected my my uh, liking of this book. We, ending, we, yeah. We've moaned about it, but like it has been, it, it was a good book. Uh, Mike Lee, I like your writing. I like the writing style. I like the um, they didn't fuck it up with too many um, competing story threads. Although they did have a few sub threads within a thread with the cy- cipher shit, which yeah. was a bit much. Didn't really come off, but on the whole, I thought it was um, very good. It was really it was good. really like it. Really enjoyable, and I just think the the Zahario storyline just bit off more than it can chew, and far more than it needed to in terms of. Um, yeah, I mean, there was stuff there that I liked and stuff there that I would have liked to have seen more done with. Yeah. And uh, cut out a lot of the shit. But then the more and more I, I, I read of these, I'm like, yeah, cut out the Space Marines. We'll have less of them. Maybe the Primarchs aren't quite so central to it either. And then it doesn't become <laughs> like a, a Horus Heresy book. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But that that's interesting. because So book's done, everyone. Very good. We give it a good good mark. <laughs> As if we mark these a good things. Mark. Um, so um, thanks for listening, everyone. I have a feeling that uh, we've had some technical problems during this, this recording. And it was also a particularly weird book to read. And it may be that we have just spoken for too long and have made absolutely no sense. That is very possible. Uh, if so, apologies. But <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. The next book's about our favourite, The Thousand Suns. So, you know it'll be a better one um you can contact us at horseheretics at gmail.com um get in touch it's been really great uh conversing with you guys um so we'll be back in two weeks until then see you next time next time bye